Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. What's been going on with both of you? Oh, I've got a story about Glacier. She's a superhero. Let me tell you this dog. The other day we were walking downtown and usually when I go to the doctor, I use an Uber or a Lyft and I get out. And when we get there, I say, this doctor, this doctor, when I touch the door, you know, trying to familiarize her with the area because these buildings look the same, like four or five buildings are together and I can't tell the difference with them. So we went downtown early to walk our little town and my Victor Reader trick died on me. Oh, no. And I'm going, oh, no, how am I going to know which one of these is the building? Well, we started going down that area, and I said, Glacier, find doctor's office. And she took me exactly to the right door. I could not believe it because I couldn't tell. So (laughs) when I go somewhere, you know, when you're there, just say, hey, doctor's office or library or whatever you need to. And that dog learns that. And when you say it, they'll take you to it. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I, How smart this dog is. Was she just that. so proud of herself? I'm sure she oh, was just I, like so giddy. She got extra <laughs> treats. I was, I was going, am I going to have to yell out, doctor, uh, doctor, uh, where are you at? Oh, Timothy, oh I gosh. hope we learned more than that. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I love that. That's such a great story. And for anyone who um, doesn't know, the Victor Reader Trek is like a GPS system. Yeah, um, but, oh my gosh. That's so great. I love hearing all the amazing things. Charge your Victor Reader truck yeah. when you leave the house. <laughs> Charge your GPS, yes. I think yes. that's so funny. You know, dogs are so intuitive, and it's like you, you learn all these skills, and they learn all these formal skills in training and in class and all that, but then you get them home, and they do. They pick up on so many other things. They pattern really well. Um, they really start to learn what you need as an individual versus just kind of like generic skills. Um, so obviously, Glacier has just really learned what Timothy needs and where he needs to go, which is so cool. Now she just go through the McDonald's drive through for me and get me a Big Mac. That'd be great. I don't think she can drive. <laughs> no, no, she can't do that. So uh, that's they so don't funny. create a Mac that good. I know, you know, they do, they do so much, but, uh, together as a team, it sounds like you guys are doing well. I'm so glad Glacier was able to get you through that. Um, and it just goes to show, right? You cannot rely on technology. Unfortunately, that's whether it's your accessible GPS, that's whether it's your phone, you kind of have to have all these other skills and things to rely on. So Glacier really stepped up this time. She got extra treats when we got there. I was proud of her. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine how giddy she was and, like, so excited knowing she had done it. (laughs) That's really sweet. Well, thank you for sharing that, Timothy. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Today, we're really excited because we're welcoming back Shannon Cullum. The last episode, we really learned about Shannon and her experience with camp and the other leader dog programs. But today, we're really honored because Shannon has agreed to join us again to discuss another topic that many times we don't think about, and that is the continuous journey of vision loss. Yes, and just as a little reminder about Shannon, she was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa at the age of two, and currently she serves on her second AmeriCorps term as an environmental educator at a local nature center in La Crosse, Wisconsin. In an effort to make the outdoors more inclusive to people with disabilities, especially those people who are blind or visually impaired, she created the website The Blind Naturalist. And there she currently shares her experiences navigating nature and vision loss on her blog. 
Shannon, welcome back to the show. And if you feel like it today, we want to talk about the sensitive parts of the RP. For me, I went through a depression and uh, you and I have the same eye disease. So let's talk about your retinitis pigmentosis, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I would definitely say that when I, you know, I was diagnosed when I was two. So I have really lived with this my whole life. I don't know any other, you know, life other than being visually impaired, having retinitis pigmentosa. But, um, you know, growing up in a rural community, um, being one of the only people with a visual impairment, I mean, I felt really alone. And that, especially in middle school, caused me to go into a depression for a while. And, um, you know, I think with vision loss, too, it's, it's very much like, you know, it's a journey and you go through these waves of, you know, grief and denial and acceptance. And it's just constant with, with vision loss. And I'm just realizing that now with my, uh, with my vision that's just recently starting to, to decrease after being stable for so many years. Even though we've got the guide dogs or we've got the cane skills, I'm still going through it. I mean, I contacted Leslie a couple of weeks ago because my vision is still changing. And it's getting worse. And though I've got these skills, you still have that background stuff that's going to start affecting your mental. It's getting worse. Oh, my Lord, do I need to go back and get a little extra training, which leader dog is. I'm so thankful that they will let me come back and get a refresher course with the cane. But it's still there. It's still affecting your, your mind and your, and your soul. And it's, it's still scary. It's still scary. And that's what I get every day. And you and I have the same similarities. We see the fireworks going off in our eyes and the floaters and we can't see this and we can't see that. And it's just affects your every day. Yeah. And, um, I think too, you know, for the longest time, I always said, oh, I'm going to be the lucky one. I'm going to be the lucky one um, diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa that my vision is going to be stable until I'm 60 or 70, until I'm retired. Um, and that really got me through college because um, going into a career that's very visual based, you know, environmental education, you're identifying birds and identifying trees and um, teaching all these people about, you know, nature. It's very visual based. And I've really had to learn how to make um, my teaching more audible, more sensory. So then, you know, I can, um, teach in a way that I feel comfortable as well as, um, you know, connect with my, um, my, uh, my learners. And so, you know, through, through college, I'd always say, yeah, I will be able to be an environmental educator for 10, 20 years. My vision won't affect me. And, um, that really kept me going. And then, you know, the last year or two, my vision has significantly, significantly, declined and I am having more daily challenges. My vision fluctuates way more than it has ever done before. It's more sensitive um, in the sun. I can't see that well whenever it's overcast. And, you know, as a few years ago, that didn't really matter. I was able to, um, you know, see okay in uh, different weather patterns. So whether it was overcast or sunny, I could see just fine. I could see enough where I felt comfortable and I could, you know, um, depend on Fraser, but also feel like I could see enough to feel safe as well. And now that my vision has declined, well, now I have to, you know, get used to 
every changing day, every day, my vision is so different. And I see, you know, this, or I don't see that. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a part of life that a lot of people don't understand. Um, And just like the constant mental, I guess, strain that it takes to even just figure out, okay, what am I seeing? Or is my vision the same as yesterday? Or have I always been seeing these fireworks? You know, that's something that I get caught up on is, was my vision always like this? No way. I don't remember my vision doing this. Um, So yeah, there's a lot that goes into, you know, vision loss. Well, I notice when I'm stressed out, if I'm even when I'm working out on a treadmill or I'm walking real fast, your vision gets worse while you're doing this stuff. And does do you, does that have that effect on you too? I mean, because uh, a, a cloudy day for me is great. For you, it's terrible. It just depends on your vision. It's different for everybody else. It's always different. And so, what affects me may not affect you. And I just find that fascinating. What degrees affect somebody? Yeah, I would say when I am stressed or when I really haven't gotten a lot of sleep, that's when I get more fireworks. Just recently, I've noticed it seems like the vision in both of my eyes don't really like align anymore. So I'll see like double of this or just things will kind of look like disjointed in a way. And, you know, I'll look away. And usually it's like something in the distance, you know, I'll see double of a person or I'll see double of a trail. And then when I look away and look closer, then everything's back to normal. But then when I look again, it's back. So that's something I just I just started having to deal with. But even too, you know, as a kid, I hated wearing sunglasses. I would never wear sunglasses because I always felt like it made my vision worse because I loved the sun. It made everything bright and I could see so much more. But within the last two years on sunny days, it hurts. (laughs) It hurts to, to be out in the sun, especially in the snow. And I really do appreciate the snow because it makes everything brighter, but Mm -hmm. it hurts so much. So now I have to wear sunglasses pretty much every day that it's sunny. Um, and yeah, it's it's um, interesting that you say overcast days are the days that you see the best because for me, everything blends in. Um, I'm very, I can see the best when things are high contrast. So for example, my phone, my laptop have high contrast settings that are um, white on black. Uh, mm-hmm. I have an app on my phone that turns my camera into, you know, white on black so I can read um, different documents, different Uh, boxes of, you know, food, different cans, really anything I can read white on black. Um, But I've really noticed that low contrast um, caused by, you know, indoors or even just on cloudy days have really um, impacted me recently with not being able to see that well. Tell us about your degrees of depression that you've gone through in your past as you're getting older. So I think I really had a lot of depression in middle school. You know, I really don't remember much in middle school just because that was definitely a hard time. I was kind of realizing I'm different and there's no way I can change it. You know, getting closer to being in high school, I knew that a lot of my friends, a lot of my classmates were going to be able to drive and get jobs and be successful. And so in middle school, I was wondering, well, what am I going to be able to do? And so Also in middle school and even, you know, throughout my entire school career, I had always been bullied as well because I was different. 
I had a disability and, you know, I had to cope with that, that bullying. And I was able to get through it because I had good friends and I had very supportive parents and teachers that, you know, guided me in the right direction. So, you know, my teachers showed me resources. They really helped me succeed. They were the ones that introduced me to different summer camps for the blind. And I think once I started connecting with people, you know, my age who had blindness or who were visually impaired, that really opened up my mind to, okay, I'm not alone because I had felt so alone for the longest time. So um, I'm not alone. And look at all these other people. Um, look at all these other kids who have visual impairments who are blind and they're just living their lives. They're adapting. They're using adaptive technology. They're using a white cane. They're using magnifiers. And, you know, those camps and having supportive teachers, supportive parents, supportive friends, those people really helped me with getting out of my depression, out of my anxiety. And even today, as I deal with my vision loss, I go back to those supporting people. I go to my partner, I go to my parents, I go to support groups on Facebook, and I go to people, you know, that I know in real life that are blind and visually impaired, and just talk and just connect and relate about these things. And that is really what helps me get out of those depressions is just talking with people and realizing I'm not alone. Yeah, I, I, some of the stuff you're saying brings takes me back when I was a teenager. I was made fun of, and and back back then they were really rough on me. And uh, I wish I had the sources that you did. I'm glad you found Leader Dog because I think it gave you the confidence and 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 showed that you're going to be okay. And there's other people out there like you, and you can just sit there and get within that group and have that support group. And I'm glad you got that. And uh, that that's a great story, and I appreciate you sharing your your uh, depression and the story about your depression and how you're getting through it and coping with it every day, just like I am. Yeah, and I think another thing too that really helps me is just being able to share my story. Um, you know, sharing my story on taking the lead um, at the numerous leader dog events that I've been a part of, and also on my website, the Blind Naturalist. That is really a big. Um, way that I've been able to cope with my vision loss is by creating um, and writing blogs about how I navigate nature and vision loss. And I share, uh, you know, my experiences in national parks and state parks. And through doing that, I've really been able to, um, I've been able to open up this whole new community of people that I didn't even know were, you know, blind and visually impaired that were also um, outdoor enthusiasts. And so um, that's been really helpful as well. And even just, you know, not only people who are visually impaired, but other people with disabilities or people who are helping people with disabilities get into the outdoors through projects and organizations that are um, dedicated to making a more inclusive outdoors, because that's something that's really, you know, um, that's something I'm really passionate about is getting people into the outdoors, um, you know, being in the outdoors myself and um, being able to do that through my blog, hopefully through a podcast one day, um, is really something that helps me cope with my vision loss by, you know, sharing my story, sharing my experiences and, you know, connecting with people um, who are like minded, who have disabilities and who love the outdoors or want to get into the outdoors. 
Oh, that's great. And yeah, the, this podcast to me is somewhat of a therapy for me. And I appreciate that Leader Dogs allowed me to be a part of this because it gives me something to look forward to every week and other things that I'm doing for Leader Dog. And I feel like I'm giving back a little bit and hopefully my story and your story will inspire somebody and we could be a great example of what you are capable of doing. And it it doesn't have to define who you are. You can define your blindness and your, your visual impairment. And uh, there is still, you still can have a good life. Even though every day our, li- our eyesight is changing, we're, you're capable of doing anything that you put your mind to. Yes, definitely. Just, you have to adapt every single day. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. And, you know, I want to thank you guys both for being so vulnerable and sharing this story. And myself, I didn't really know anything about the blindness community until I started working at Leader Dog. And so even on this podcast, I learned something new every time we record. And this one was so eye-opening for me. I had tears in my eyes hearing about the things you guys have gone through. And just, I want to know, what are some things that you guys think that people who aren't in this blindness community or who haven't gone through this, what are some things you think they don't understand or some ways that they can help you during this? Well, for me, when I was young, it was just, I come from a different era than most people, I'm a little old, I'm 55 years old. And back then when I was in high school, it was rough. I mean, it was rough. I tried to play sports and people would make fun of the, hey, you didn't see that blind man or, you know, they would call you names. It was terrible. And just some compassion, understanding that, hey, it could happen to anybody. I just was born with this and it's in my genetic code. And you know what? It could have happened to you and I wouldn't want to be treated like that. And, you know, Uh, Do unto others is my motto. And uh, they were just not educated back then like they are now. And uh, life was really, and I I blame that on society a little bit, but uh, it it was just a different time in this country and and in the history of the world. And uh, it affects you even at my age still today. I'm still sensitive about it. And it affected me during my job. People would say stuff and it would just get me so angry. But thank God I was able to get through that and uh, later on find Leader Dog. And Leader Dog has helped me out so much since then. Yeah, I would definitely echo what Timothy said. And I think, too, um, you know, something that I just didn't realize about vision loss is just, you know, vision loss in general. Um, How it's gradual, how every day is so different. And um, it's really unstable, Um, you know. Timothy and I have very different, even though we have retinitis pigmentosa, we have, um, our, our vision has declined at different rates. And for me, I had a few years of being stable, um, of having stable vision. And now that my vision is unstable, it's like every single day I have to relearn how to do something. Um, so for example, I, um, I live in a pretty quiet neighborhood and would feel comfortable walking around without my cane and just walking my dogs without my cane. But um, over the last few months, um, or even over the last year, I've realized, okay, I do not feel comfortable anymore. I need to use my white cane. And so then, you know, I'm going back and forth in my head. Oh, what are my neighbors going to think? Do they, did they, 
think that I was always blind or are they going to be worried about me? Are they going to say, oh, there's that blind girl again walking her dog. I hope she doesn't get hit by a car. You know, I always was worried about what other people would think when they saw my white cane, even as a kid. Um, that's why I never liked using my white cane because it labeled me as different. And I always felt like people looking at me, um, staring at me, um, were staring with pity and curiosity, well, pity and curiosity, you know, but it was always a different kind of stare than I get with, with Frasier. Um, and so I really never liked using my white cane. So in the last year I've had to use my white cane just in, you know, walking around my neighborhood. And that was the one freedom that I had where I felt like, you know, I was normal. I was just a woman walking her dog. Um, I wasn't different. But I realized, well, here I am um, veering into the middle of the, um, the road or getting onto the other side of the sidewalk because I got distracted. You know, my mind started to wander or, you know, I was daydreaming or I was looking off at something and here I am in the middle of the road and I'm like, okay, I need to start using my white cane. So, you know, that's that's a freedom of not using my white cane and just quote unquote feeling normal just for a little bit um, that I had to grieve. And I, I guess that's something that I just didn't realize was a part of vision loss was that constant grieving um, of losing those, those freedoms um, of, of losing that sense of whatever normal is, you know? So like even too, I think about, I used to be able to read 12 point font. Yeah, it's, it was, it was hard, but now I look at a piece of paper and it's blank. I, is there even text on that? I can't tell. Um, so like, it's just a constant journey of adapting. And I would say, you know, it's, it's exhausting and it's always on our mind. You know, I, sometimes I get stuck um, in, in even just, you know, work meetings where I'm like listening, but I'm also focused on, okay, what am I even seeing right now? You know, cause like that is so much of our, um, human nature is what we see. And so then I get distracted thinking, okay, what am I looking at right now? Is my vision different than it was yesterday? Um, and so I think, um, you know, definitely having compassion for people, um, who are blind and visually impaired, who are going through vision loss and just having compassion in general for, for anybody and treating people how you'd want to be treated. Um, and also just having an open ear and listening, you know, I think is a very big thing that people can do um, because it's it's it, it's very um, uh, it's like a weight getting like a weight is getting lifted off your shoulders when you're able to talk to somebody about this, um, and it's not just in your head. You can talk to somebody about it. So just you know, as I said, just being a listener to somebody and being supportive and saying you know supportive things is definitely something somebody could do. I think, you know, the story that you two are both sharing right now is something that we don't hear often enough. It's just the real impact of vision loss and how it affects your daily life every single day, every single moment. Um, and having people start to understand that, like you guys have both mentioned, your vision is very different um, from each other and from day to day in your own lives. A vision, we say that all the time on here, is tricky. Um, and I think you guys have both really mentioned uh, kind of that grief of vision loss. And Shannon, I think it was amazing that you mentioned 
um, you know, getting through college and high school, you just told yourself, this is it, right? Like I can, I can handle the amount of vision loss that I have right now. It will never change. And then once it started to change, having to cope with all of that again. So one thing I want people or listeners to take away from this conversation that you two have had is that it's a constant grieving process. Um, and you're constantly going through those different stages of, of grief and, and the anger and the depression and the acceptance and the shock. And, and it's a scale and, and people move up and down that scale all the time and throughout life. But um, you guys have incredible stories. You guys are incredibly strong individuals and out there advocating for blindness and low vision um, and educating people. I just think it's amazing. But I'm curious, um, what are, would you say are the biggest things that get you through those times? So when you're having those challenging uh, points in your life where you're realizing, okay, my vision has decreased again and, and I kind of have to relearn things and reevaluate how I'm going to do things. What are some of the the biggest um, helpful things during those times? Well, for me, I know leader dogs behind me. I know that I can go back to leader dog and get the cane skills again because you, you, you're constantly every day using those skills. And when my vision's getting worse and worse and worse, yes, I've got glacier, but one day there'll be a day that glacier's not feeling well, or glacier can't go on this trip, or glacier can't go, and I've got to have those cane skills. So. I, as I'm, my eyes are getting different, I know that Leader Dog has got my back. That's comforting. And that they really genuinely care about me. And it just, just having that, it's a little security blanket. But to get through every day, you just got to do it. There's no other answer. You just got to get through your life. This is what my life is going to be like. I need to accept it and let's go on. Yeah, I would say um, just knowing that I can go back to Leader Dog 2 is definitely the biggest thing that gets me through my day. You know, um, uh, Leader Dog is definitely my second home. I feel like I've gone through so much growth um, through all of those three programs that I attended. And I just really love everybody at Leader Dog. Just everyone's so genuine and welcoming and warm. And, you know, I um, I can just reach out to anyone and be like, hey, I, I need some help. And you'll follow through. Um, so just knowing that I can go back to leader dog is definitely a big thing. And, um, I think too, just connecting with people through, um, you know, Facebook support groups and, um, my, my friends who I've met throughout all of those programs that I attended and, um, just, Continuing to to um, further our relationships, I think, is really important for me. I really like just meeting new people who are blind and low vision, um, and talking to you know the people that I have known in the past. Um, and yeah, just like Timothy said, I mean, you just kind of have to accept it and go, just live your life as best you can. Um, so. I think, yeah, just accept it and move on and know that, you know, you have a, a support group behind you, I think is the biggest thing for me. Well, thank you both so much for sharing your stories and your experience and being vulnerable here with us. I hope this message got out loud and clear that you can do it and vision loss and living with vision loss. There's just different ways to do things and it is a journey and there's highs and there's lows, but you two are an incredible inspiration to people out there. And I hope listeners have a better understanding of what it's like to live with vision loss. So I really, really appreciate you guys sharing your stories. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening and taking the time to join us for the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about the journey of vision loss, and please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. Yes, and I want to share one more time um, Shannon's website in case you want to learn more about her journey or her experiences navigating nature. It is The Blind Naturalist, so you can read her blog there. And you can also reach us if you have any ideas or questions at taking the lead at leaderdog.org. And if you like today's podcast, make sure that you're hitting subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream. 